Oh, shoot. You know what, Pat? I goofed that up. I meant to ask you, where, where are you calling from in Sweden? Uh, I'm, I'm just say Gothenburg. It's fine. Gothenburg. Okay. If, right. if, if, if I say the city I'm at, no one knows. No, no, it's fine. I'll, I'll, say, <laughs> I'll say that. All right. Hang on one second. What's up, Sabres fans? Welcome to episode number four of the Beyond the Blade Around the Atlantic miniseries. I am your host, Anthony Chandra, and joining me today is a very special guest calling in all the way from Gothenburg, Sweden, the former hometown of your Rasmus Dahlin, to chat about the Montreal Canadiens. He's also one of my colleagues at SB Nation, Patrick Bexel. Pat, how are you today, my friend? Um, thank you for hosting me. It's it's a great pleasure to be here, and uh, I enjoyed your work on on um, on Die by the Blade and and other outlets when I see them or, or you're promoting them. But yeah, I'm good. It's a uh, rugby World Cup just started, so it's a big month for for me and my friends here. They're full of my friends here are Aussies and and uh, Kiwis, so it's a it's a huge thing for us here. And uh, we just had, we had a barbecue this morning, breakfast barbie. That's great, you know. I love it. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for coming on. Uh, you know, we really appreciate it. Uh, let's talk some Montreal hockey here. The Canadians are an interesting team this season. So last year, they took a big leap in the standings. They fell just short of the playoffs. And hockey fans in general, they seem kind of split as to whether or not Montreal is going to take that next step this season and become a contender. As is our longstanding three-episode tradition on this series, Let's kick things off by talking about what happened this summer. Nothing too earth-shattering. You know, they had a couple uh, minor signings, you know, Keith Kincaid. They, they brought back Yoel Armia, Arturi Lekkanen, uh, Jordan Wade. Hey, we did an offer sheet. Come on, no one's done an offer oh, sheet for eight years. That, was, that, that was a weak <laughs> attempt at an offer sheet. I'm not even going to count that right now. <laughs> a failed offer hey, sheet. It's, it's better than nothing. It was signed. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And we can never take that away from them. Praise Mark Bergevin. <laughs> but um, aside from those uh, couple of re-signings, their, their big kind of signature move of the offseason, if you will, was sending, or uh, I'm sorry, signing Ben Shera to the three-year, $3.5 million average annual value contract. He's probably going to replace their only notable loss of the offseason in, in Jordy Ben, who signed with Vancouver. Pat, give me your take on what the Canadians did this summer. Do you think it was enough? Is there something that you wish they'd have done additional? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, like, if, if we started with the offer sheet, uh, I, I think it was good uh, that they did it. I think NHL needs stuff like that in general. Uh, you might argue it was weak. It was something <laughs> that hasn't uh, – um, the Carolina is, has never paid out bonuses before, so, so obviously that was a good thing. Um, I mean, like they got drawn into the club, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's you can argue it's a weak one because Mark Bergman didn't go up to the next level or even the level after that for for a player in his prime. And uh, I think you know you, we've seen what Toronto has done, and in some ways, what Sabres has done, and, and what Montreal is trying to do is you can't give away too many first round picks, and and. Because you never know how the how the chips gonna fall this season. Mm-hmm. Do you get a, a, a um, an injury on a, on, a, on an important player or not? I mean, that, that's 
that could be a major difference for, for the standings. You know, if price is out, you know, the price is out. And and I think, you know, you, you don't want to give out. You can see where he's going this season, but you cannot see where he is next season or, mm. or, or something like that. So, yeah, giving away two or three first-round picks over three years, didn't? no, I wouldn't do that. Um, I respect the offer sheet. Could be better. Yeah, we, we, he signed it. And, and you know, the last one signing an offer sheet was Nicky Almarsson. And, you know, he stayed with his team as well. Um, so so it's it's that. But, yeah, when you look at Charo uh, and, and um, Ben, yeah, I think it's an upgrade on Ben for mm-hmm. sure. But I also see the risk of an Alsner. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's a little bit of an overpay. I'm not really that comfortable with it. Um, I, you know, a two-year higher average, I would probably be fine with. But there are so many prospects knocking on the door, so next year he might be redundant anyway. Sure. And I think that that's that's like the main problem. But it's also a gift in a way because if he is an, another Carl Alsner, yeah, he's gone next year. Yeah, and that contract, it's not its not too hard to move, I don't think. You know, three years, three and a half million, you know, AAV. At the end of that deal, it's really not going to be too much of a cost burden. I mean, it's not the type of value that you're going to hesitate to scratch him. You know what I mean? Or or even waive him if need be. You know, it's not yeah, like Kylo Poso, who, who the Sabres have three more years of him at six million, and he's just unplayable right now. Yeah, and it also helps, I think, with uh, Montreal having taken a, book, a, a leaf out on the Leafs uh, and and put their AHL team in the same city. So mm-hmm. if you do waive him and, and he clears waivers, he doesn't have to move out. He's, he can stay in the city. His family can stay in the city. So you're making it a little bit easier in that regard as well. Sure, that's a great point. So as we kind of talked about here in the intro, Montreal, they experienced a 25-point leap last year in the standings, finishing with 96 points. That's pretty remarkable. And it was Claude Julien's second season, and, you know, we seem to have things going in the right direction there. Carey Price was moderately healthy, which helped. They found themselves right on the cusp of a playoff berth. A healthy Price played a role in that, and as did the addition of Max Domi, who led the team with 72 points. And, and I'm going to say something. That trade was widely criticized when it went down and seems to have worked out pretty well. You know, At Thomas, least the one team. <laughs> Yeah, yes, for the I should have specified for the Canadians, it worked out pretty well. Um, you know, Thomas Tatar, he he also contributed, you know, with some added scoring depth last year. He had 58 points. What's interesting to me in 2017-18 season, the Canadians scored the second fewest goals in the NHL with only 209 on the year. Only Arizona had fewer with 208, right? They also allowed 264 goals against that season. Only the Senators and Sabres had a higher, or I guess lower, if you want to call it that way, differential than Montreal's negative 55. Last season, however, they saw a huge improvement in both areas. They scored 249 goals and allowed only 236. That represented a 68-goal delta, a 68-goal swing from the year prior. Do you feel that that is a sign of continued growth, or did they get a little bit lucky last season? What's your take on that? I think it was a bit of both, you know, added growth for sure. But Weber was healthy, Price was healthy, or when Weber came back, he was healthy. Let's leave it at that. Sure. And and uh, in, you know, it's Jeff Petrie took a huge step forward the year before. Mm-hmm. He he shared that responsibility, and you can call Weber and Petrie uh, uh, defender one A and one B in some ways. You know, they're, they're fulfilling different roles, but they're really two great players, and to have two of them. Um, on the same side, unfortunately, but but uh, you know it's good for your lineup. It, it keeps um, the defense kind of level, and it means you can force someone in uh, on the other side that might not be spectacular even on the uh, second pairing, which I think is really good. But yeah, it's it's also I think Mark Bergman finally decided to 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 do something right and. Uh, I'm not been the greatest fan of Mark, but I think this time he really went like, you know, look at um, Team North America under 23 in, in the World Cup. Look at, you know, some of the speedy teams that exist in, in and how good they are and how well they carry themselves. 
let's do that. We've always been small. Let's not hide from that. Uh, you know, run with the flag, put it up there, do what you can and play with speed, play with uh, technique and, and, you know, use that as is your strength to your strength. And I think, you know, he, he finally did that. And, you know, at the Max Domi trade, yeah, I was against that. I, it turned out fantastically. Um, everyone thought that Nick Suzuki was going to be the, the chip in, in the, the patch already trade. Mm-hmm. And, and the Tatar came in and, and benefited the team as a whole, find chemistry and, and really added the scoring that was needed as well. Yeah, it was a lot of things coming together. And then actually Kulak, you know, Brett Kulak came, came in as well late the season before, I think. And, you know, he's a pretty decent defender. We, we should not count him out. He's a good defender. Meta, Meta took a, a step forward. You know, it was a lot of growth going on. But it was also, you know, some chips falling the right way for, for Mark. And I think, you know... He did the right thing and he deserved the praise he gets for this. And uh, Claude Julian probably had to change a little bit of, of his coaching technique as well, partly working a bit more with youngsters, which he was good at in Boston, but also uh, going more, more with speed than with brute force. And, you know, it takes a year to adjust. It takes a year to, to do an inventory and actually see what you have and what you can benefit from and uh, how to use that. And it, it credits to, Ju- uh, to Julian as well, because um, he's an old dog, and it's not easy to learn an old dog to sit. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll start with Bergevin, you know, kind of what you were just saying. I don't know if there's a GM in the league who, from a perception standpoint, took a bigger 180 last year. I, I remember last summer, he was kind of a punchline a little bit, right? And now, not only is he the most physically imposing general manager, um, guy's just one walking <laughs> yeah. muscle, but uh, he, he's done a nice job. I mean, he's 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 not perfect, but he's done the right things. And that that Domi trade was the thing he was probably criticized for the most, and it turned out really, really nicely for them. Um, I think you know, okay. yeah. As you say, like the Domi trade was he, he was criticized for that, and oh, Alex yeah. Dalcheniak, he, he's he was a fan favorite, but you know, it's. He had stagnated in, in, in his development and they, they never really wanted to force him into the center. He didn't want to play wing. Yeah, it was a lot of going on. And, you know, don't we have the same kind of relationship in Arizona? So, you know, it, it was a good trade, I think, for both teams. I thought Arizona would be the beneficial of it. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it, 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 they weren't. It's... Uh, Domi uh, took to the city, even his father took to the city. <laughs> and then, you know, like he has created a lot of positive atmosphere as well uh, among the fans, becoming a fan favorite, uh, walking with pride uh, in the Pride um, Carnival this year. You know, a lot of things that you might not have thought about. He's been very open with his uh, type 2 diabetes and uh, promoted that as well and, and interacted with the kids in the hospital and, you know, all the good things. Everything we saw Subban do, but we don't mention Subban. Oh, yeah, I know. We we that that's that's a sore subject for probably everybody outside of Nashville, but we'll avoid that one for today. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned Domi's father. What I, I'm not familiar with that story. What did he do? I mean, like first he he uh, he showed up in a Canadian's jersey quite fast, okay. and, and that's kind of cool from a Toronto Maple Leaf player, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I heard the story where he was like, um, everyone thought he had took the the, the um, underground to the wrong center. Uh, so he showed up at the women's game and he was like, no, no, I'm here to catch the women's game. And, you know, he was doing all these small things that, you know, was pretty awesome. And, you know, he used to hate him when he played for the Leafs, but yes. <laughs> he seems to be in a good character and, and you know, give, give a little bit. and and. And and uh, play with the the city a little bit, and you know it's it's good. I think, and and I love the fact that he went out to see the hockey girls or hockey mm-hmm. women. And I'm, I'm sorry for for slighting them. They're they're women and they're athletes, and they're great. They're they're really tremendous, especially what's going on right now in their sphere. And uh, but but yeah, to go out there and actually promote them, I think that's that's fantastic. I wish more male players did that. I agree. I you know I. I... 
makes it, it's a big hit, uh, you know, when it happens here, but uh, players like Jeff Skinner and Buffalo, you know, they, in their post-game interviews have been wearing the Buffalo Buttes, which is yeah. our, our, you know, women's hockey team locally. Uh, they've been wearing, you know, their hats during post-game interviews and that, it's so important. And it, it's, it is really great to see, you know, the, uh, players of today kind of imp- embracing, uh, what is a growing league? What's it, what's a grow you know, growing organization in women's hockey. They had a little bit of a bumpy summer, but the, you know, the, the product itself will save that. And I you remember know, the, the 2006 Olympics when, when Sweden went to the final, uh, they got trashed, but, but yeah, they went to the final, <laughs> got a silver medal, uh, which is awesome. And during the shootout, uh, the whole male team, which was full of NHL stars in their prime, you know, Forsberg, uh, Sundin, uh, Lundqvist, you know, mm-hmm. everyone was there, Alfredson, you know, and, and the girls said, we walked out and they were fist bumping us. It was amazing. And you need to see <laughs> that, you know, like they, they were like, these are our idols and we're fist bumping with them after a game. So, so, you know, like it needs to be a spotlight on it. Mm-hmm. And we're getting off tangent, as I said, we would, but, but it's an important subject. And it's, That's fine. hey, subject. Like we said in episode two, tangents are what we do, man. That's what we're all about here. So you talked a little bit about Claude Julien and you mentioned he's an old dog and I'm throwing a little bit of a curveball at you because it kind of happened, you know, in between us talking, you know, earlier in the week and, and recording. What, what do you take of, of his concussion comment there? Um, you know, Ryan Poling gets smashed in the boards and, and after the game, he said something along the lines of, if I benched that, or I took everyone out of the game who might have a concussion, I'd be playing with half a bench. That is the quintessential old dog quote right yeah. there. What and What's I your take on that? <laughs> I hate it. Uh, I think it's a bad quote, and I it's think, a bad look. Yeah, it's a bad look. It's a bad. It's bad for the league, especially with what's going on um, at a uh, legal level. But you know, it's uh, and, and um, literally watched rugby today, as I said, and. Uh, their concussion protocols are stern, you know, like they take mm-hmm. them out, they can come back to the game fine, but it's, it's not like in American football, you go into a tent side, they go directly into to the locker room, they sit there for 10 minutes and, and you know, they get evaluated and, and uh, they're, they're not getting a chance to come back out until everything is clear. And I think right. that's super important, you know, like um, concussion is not something we want to mess with. I've had two and, and, and thank God I haven't, performing sports while getting them or, or even thought about performing sports after having them like mm-hmm. um, next to the day after two, two, three days after. And uh, yeah, it was, I, I, I think it needs to be considered uh, in some ways when you look at the gear that the hockey players are having on wearing today, that's, it's a lot, obviously, and then you got the straps that need to be hold on to the gear or, 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 or sort of fixed with the gear, and then you add some kind of thing that sticks up. And, yeah, it, it means you can get a hit worse than 20 years ago. Uh, thank God the fights are more or less out because I don't like them either. But, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, everything we know about CTE, right, and the head injuries, I mean, it's it, you're seeing it's kind of changing – how athletes are, are deciding on their future too. You've seen in the NFL guys are retiring now at like 27 years old, you know, and you know, for, for myself, I've only had one concussion ever and I immediately stopped the sport. I was participating in it. it you know, yeah. it just, it just wasn't worth it. And then, you I know, mean, like it's, if you look at the professionals, uh, if you were, if, if you have 200 million on the bank or, or even 50 billion as NFL players, that maybe the lower tire has, you know, um, you want to be able to use them, right? Right. You don't want to spend them on healthcare. Yeah. So, 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 so you know, it's uh, it's different there, and you see it in rugby. Um, I don't know how much international sports, but uh, the Ashes was on this year, and uh, one of the best players in the world got a, a ball, a baseball kind of ball, uh, straight to his helmet, and he was concussed, and he was out for one one of the series uh, games in the series, and it almost cost Australia the series, but you know, yeah. they, they held on, but it was more important with his concussion than, than the whole series. And this is a series that is played once every other year. And yeah. it's one of the longest uh, competitions that's been ongoing between two, two games or two countries. So it's, it's super important for, you know, like uh, I'm, I'm, 
I remember being in field work, at Fieldwork in, in uh, Northern Ireland and we had like this long wave radio so we could listen to the ashes or the other side because I don't understand anything at that time, but now I do. <laughs> so it was the first introduction to cricket for me. <laughs> nice. So let, let's talk a little bit. We'll switch gears here. You mentioned it a little bit in the open, the youngsters. I mean, Jasperi Kutkaniemi, first and foremost, had a phenomenal rookie season, I thought. He had a hot start, cooled off a little bit, but he ended up with 34 points in 79 games, which as an 18-year-old is great. Uh, Montreal's got a few other exciting young guys too. I mean, Victor Met, like you just spoke about, Noah Yulson, Ryan Poling, Alex Romanoff, who I know you have some thoughts on. Um, you know, they, they, they've got a, a very impressive young stable of guys there. Yes, yet Jesse Lee Yelonen. Um, which of those guys has you most excited? And do you feel that any of the guys I just mentioned, or maybe someone else, has a good shot to be a roster regular this season? I know Matt is almost a shoe in as is Yulson, but any of those other kind of peripheral guys, do they have a chance to crack the opening night lineup? Uh, I think Yulson is out again uh, because of his uh, head injury from two seasons ago. Okay. Um, he's on a medical, uh, they're looking into it because he's vertigo, and I don't know if his uh, vision is damaged on one eye or two eyes. And uh, we were speaking about it in the Slack channel the other day, and uh, uh, we were mentioning that, you know, like Matthias Erlen played with more or less one eye for, for half of his career. And stuff Crazy. Like that. And you, you have to consider it, but it's, 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 it's there. It's something to be aware of, and I'm not sure that he's, make, he's making the team this year either especially with the, with the uh, damaged eye. Then Meta is in, as, as you say. Um, I, I was high on Paling, but he got a concussion last right. this week. So so he's out for, what was they were thinking? Four, six weeks, maybe? I don't know. But they were looking at it. And uh, But Nick Suzuki is, is probably the player that is close to the team of the youngsters right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, part He was the main chip, as I, as I said, in... In the patch ready trade, uh, Tatar was a throw in, and, and we, we're glad for both of them, of course. Uh, but yeah, Nick Suzuki, uh, he is this player that can, you know, he can create plays from, from almost nothing. Uh, he's done it all through his career, wherever he's played. The question is, can he take it to this level? And, you know, I know it's preseason games and it's not full squads, so, so I'm try, kind of being cautious here. Um, there's also some, some, other situations that you have to consider as an AHL team, you know, roster spots and who's eligible for, for waivers and not, and do you want to lose someone on waivers, etc. Sure. Uh, but but I think he is the uh, guy closest to, um, to to NHL, and it wouldn't surprise me if he um, if he starts with the team, get the nine games or something like that, and then just gets sent down. Uh, as I said, it depends on the contract situation. I thought Paling was a shoe-in. I'll be honest with that. I thought he was a shoe-in. Uh, Brooke is uh, is close defender. One of got, got uh, one of the best players on Team USA last year in the under twenties. But for me, yeah, uh, if, if you all, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, you know the Tsar Alexander Romanov is, is he's my guy as a history buff. He's my guy. <laughs> as a, uh, if you name Alexander Romanov and and you, you know about the Tsar family, yeah. He's he's a guy I, I really look up to, but also I, I, in order to explain myself a little bit more, I'm from Sweden. I grew up in the eighties, where you know uh, if Sweden played Russia and we lost nine three, we we played a good game. You know, right. it's, I, I grew up with that. Like, and you know, oh, it was it was one one after the first period. It was great, it's a big <laughs> then, celebration. Right? Yeah, and, and for me now to watch KHL hockey on a regular basis and seeing uh, and and also doing. You know, interviews with with North American players that's played in KHL, or and they, they go like, it's it's a it's another kind of hockey. It's it's ballet, but on ice, and with a puck, and skates, and and sticks, and everything else. But you know, they, they're and to see an 18 year old coming into arguably the best team outside NHL, and they would, according to some of my or, or most of the NH, uh, former NHL players I played with or spoken with, and and that I've uh, interviewed uh, both uh, as, as um, officially and, and, and when we're speaking off the record, they say that Seska uh, is the team that they could probably challenge for a uh, for a playoff spot in the NHL with the budget and the players wow. they have. And, and imagine an 18-year-old player coming in there and uh, and actually getting to play. 
you know, <laughs> just, just sure. getting to play is, is fine. You know, but he averaged almost 12 minutes last year. He's somewhere around that area right now. Uh, he's being cautiously advanced. I still think he should have some power play uh, time. Uh, he got a good slapper. He hits like a brick wall. He's like, sometimes it looks like Nicky Almarsson on speed uh, <laughs> because he can skate, this guy. He, he skates like the wind. And, and uh, if you look down, you get hit. Uh, he, he is the kind of player. And he, we saw how good he is with the puck when he played against his peers in, in the last World Juniors. And he will be in this World Juniors as well. And I, he was, I think he got the, the best player of the tournament, uh, the best defensive player on the tournament award. Pegling got the best player award. You know, it's, yeah. it, was, it was Montreal all over it. And uh, he is the guy I'm really, really excited about. But it also comes to the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm a softie for the romantic Russians and, and he's one of them. And yeah, it's, it's, it just feels right for me. Uh, but, but, you know, on draft day, uh, we just drafted Jesse Ilonen as, uh, as another player from Europe. And uh, we were sitting in, I was just typing up his draft profile. You know, it's the biggest day of the year for, for all the SBN blogs. And, right. uh, and uh, I was sitting there typing Jesse Ilonen and someone said, who the hell is, you know, Alexander Romanov? And we were like, who? And, and, <laughs> and in a few years, I think we'll look back to, to Romanov as to steal up the draft. Yeah. So, I, so, so, yeah, you know, his contract is going out this year and there's been a lot of talk about it. And uh, I'll just go off tangent again and uh, explain that there is no rule. Uh, there is no agreement between KHL or, or Hockey Russia and NHL and Hockey North America um, because Russia wants to get uh, a fair shake of, of, of the worth of the player in in that they let go to the NHL. Um, Rasmus Dahlin, uh, Frelander got 240,000 US dollars for him uh, when he signed the contract mm. from NHL. If uh, Buffalo traded him the, like a minute later, they would have gotten a lot more. And Russia thinks that they are entitled because they bring up all these talent and they want a soccer kind of system where you actually pay the worth of the player from, from the club that they are leaving, no, to the club that they mm-hmm. are leaving. Uh, and I can sympathize with that thought. I really can, especially since I'm a European myself. I see how uh, North American clubs sometimes bring over players too early just because mm-hmm. they can. Right. I think that's, you know, like Dallin was ready. He showed it. Sure, he absolutely. Uh, we saw Hayes come and he stayed another year and he got even better, you know, like right. it's, it's stuff like that. But then you get a guy like Gregorenko, right? Who, yeah. who, you know, that's a few years back, obviously, but he probably needed more time, right? And, and like, yeah, and, that, and Olofsson, uh, that, that I spoke with a lot as well when he was in Frölunda, you know, he's he could probably have benefited one more year with, with, with Frölunda. He obviously did a good job in, in, uh, in, the, in your AHL club. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. but, but, you know, like uh, there are certain players that, you know, would benefit from from another year, but I shouldn't say they'd be forced over to to NHL. But you know, the club says we want you here, and uh, going across the pond uh, to a new society, um, new language, everything. You know, it's I moved to London. I was thirty five, and and it was it was difficult for me. Uh, so it's it's different for that. Um, setting up bank accounts, learning to pay the bills, stuff, small stuff like that will, and then I'll, I'll be honest, finding new friends and, and you're going to want to have some new friends outside hockey, I would assume. Just, mm-hmm. you know, to get, clear your head a bit. Uh, so, so I think that's part of it as well. But, but you know, it's so easy to bring over guys. 240k for an organization is nothing. Right. So, yeah, so if, it, if it became like, you know, you got to pay 2 million. Yeah, you you consider it a little bit more. Maybe he needs another year suddenly. So it's a, it's a bit there, but but yeah. So 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 there was a lot of talk about Montreal um, buying out the rest of his contract, but you can't do that because the last uh, team that did it was, was the Maple Leafs, and they got they lost the player, they lost the draft pick, and they got fined. Mm-hmm. And especially, and that was you know Russia was it was a Swedish team, <laughs> so, sure. so it wasn't even that that it was pressure to get like. Um, uh, to get a, a open up Pandora's box, that is the free agency or the free market. 
and it would invalidate the, the draft would be lost because suddenly it's about which team can pay the most money to Seska or Frölunda or, or Djurgården or, or uh, Munich or, or whatever, Jokerit or, or Pelicans or for, for it's, it's It's about which team can pay more. Right. So, so you you will lose the parity that is the NHL and with the draft and you know cap floor and cap space etc. Uh, so it's it's um, but so so there was a lot of talk in Montreal about buying it out. But if you do that, you open Pandora's box and Russia will say next time we're going to want more. And right. I would assume thirty other GMs or thirty one other GMs would be like, let's ban this club <laughs> <laughs> because they don't want that. They're making the money on the free market, but they don't want free market where they can benefit from it. Sure. I like that you mentioned a little bit, you know, a moment ago about uh, acclimating to a brand new society. I think too often, you know, fans maybe view players as assets, right? And they don't necessarily appreciate just how much of a transition it is, right? Take a guy like Zemgis Gergensens, for instance, an 18-year-old kid coming to America from Latvia, you know what I mean? And probably before he was ready, to be honest. And yeah, it's just, you put yourself in those shoes. Like you said, the, the, the mundane stuff, opening a bank account, you know, making friends, just, it, it's that kind of thing that gets lost. And uh, I, I find that, uh, I find that pretty interesting. I think we have the perfect example with, with Bully Arby, actually. Okay. I really do. Yeah. He should, have, he should have waited another year or two. And uh, then Edmonton would have been fine. You know, he wouldn't mm-hmm. have left Edmonton like he did now. He, he, uh, he would have been great. Uh, but you know they they should have invested in the time like you know you're staying in Finland another year maybe even two but you learn proper English like you you, you learn the English language because I know he had to make um, interviews with a uh, translator mm-hmm. all the way up to more or less the draft I think it would make it for granted a little bit by, by North yeah. fans you know what I mean because so many you know the European draft picks they speak it already but some don't and that's probably why Keikalainen just uh, thought that he wasn't ready to be drafted that early. So, so the Finnish GM passed on him, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes total sense. So we talked a little bit about Max Domi. Uh, you know, he was the breakout star for the Canadians last year. Like we said, 72 points it really was the steal of that trade. Um, do you feel that there's another player currently on the roster who could have a similar breakout campaign this season? Yeah, you mentioned him before, actually. Yes, breakout can hear Okay. <laughs> we were all surprised last year. I spoke in myself, and, and I'm not a professional, so, so or I am. I'm getting paid, but I'm, I mean, like, I'm not a professional scout or, or anything like that. Uh, I've spoken with uh, professional scouts. I've spoken with... Uh, uh, Coaches, I've spoken with GMs, and everyone was like, "Cot can even made the NHL with that skating, right?" <laughs> and it's 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 not the um, but he's he's adapting so fast. His hockey IQ is at that level, so he adjusts so fast. Now he's built muscle this summer. His practice is skating even more. Yeah, he's gonna have a breakout season. He's so interesting because he he wasn't a popular number three projected pick. You know what I mean? There there were a lot of prognosticators. I spoke with a Swedish coach uh during the draft, actually, and he obviously we were interested in. Yeah, he's not the front of my coach. Let's leave it at that. (laughs) So I'm not saying anything about it. uh, So we're speaking about Dalian going first and Sveshnikov second. And and then we're like, yeah, okay. And he texted me and went like, oh. So who are you picking? And I was like, we're picking Kotkaniemi. And he was like, yeah, best center of the draft, but not the best player huh. available. And, and, you know, like I was like, yeah, I agree with that. But yeah, I don't think anyone could have projected the, everyone was saying the same thing. His skating was so bad. Mm-hmm. But he has improved so much over so short time. So four or five months now where he's practiced skating every other day. Yeah, I think he's good. Yeah, I, I mean, to do what he did at 18 years old is impressive in and of itself. And and to do it as a guy who, a lot, you know, there was debate as to whether or not he'd even play in the NHL last year. There was even more debate as to whether or not, like we were just talking about, he was, you know, justified or, or, or you know, supposed to be picked number three, I guess, if he was the best player available. And he, he really lived up to it uh, last season. So I would not be surprised at all if he, if he was the, that kind of breakout star for the Canadians this year. No, I, I think I think as you say, it's like um, 
he's going to break out. It, you can argue if it's, you know, something that is being projected or not. But yeah, last year, uh, I remember the first uh, game of the preseason that he was in and he looked so out of depth. Like, it, go back and watch it if you can, guys that listen or, or girls that listen. Because to do what he did in three, four weeks, it's incredible. And that means that you can do it as well. Yeah, absolutely. We are going to take a quick 30-second break here. And you can rejoin us, right? That was like the worst transition ever. I'm gonna, <laughs> hey, Chad, cut this part, bud. All right, hang on one second. Three, two, one. We are going to take a quick 30-second break. We will be right back with Patrick Bexel from SB Nation's Habs Eyes on the Prize. You are listening to Episode 4 of the Beyond the Blade Around the Atlantic miniseries. Don't go away. Welcome back to episode four, the Beyond the Blade Around the Atlantic miniseries. I am here with Patrick Bexel of SB Nation, reporting to us live from Gothenburg, Sweden. Pat, let's talk a little bit about why we're all here, the state of the Atlantic Division, particularly how the abs, abs rather, fit in. They were the abs very- works as well, ask Mark Bertrand. <laughs> yes, yes, the so- putting the soft H on it. <laughs> so they were very close last season to a playoff berth as we discussed a little bit tampa bay is still the juggernaut at the top right uh, boston and toronto aren't going anywhere but you know you look at the wild card teams columbus took some big hits losing panarin and bobrovsky but florida you know they look ready to maybe take up that mantle and, and assume that spot is there any way in your opinion that a montreal could challenge for one of the top three spots in the division It'd be an uphill climb in my opinion and if not, do you feel that they're at least a, a good bet at a wild card spot? Money Puck right now is actually giving them a 59% chance to qualify here at the beginning of the season. Do you feel that's a fair estimation? What are your thoughts? Yeah. I'm a Gemini. So half of me is like, yeah, you know, we're not going to make it. The other one is if, like, of course we're going to make it. <laughs> if you were going to list ways you were going to open that response, I'm a Gemini would not even have been in my top thousand. That was fair. Yeah. No, so, so it's, uh, I mean, I had, as I said, uh, Buffalo ahead of Montreal before last season. Uh, mm-hmm. We were, Montreal was closed last season. I think we will be uh, nibbing on a wild card spot again. I'm, I'm that, uh, I'm, I'm there. Then if I'm thinking it's good or bad with the depth of this draft is is, is another you know thing. But yeah, there, there's Tampa, there's Toronto. I'm a bit unsure about Boston. But yeah, Boston is still there. They're, they're still good. They're, it's always going to be tough to go into the TD Garden. You know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's not a problem. Uh, then we're looking at Florida. Uh, we're looking at Montreal at that level, I think. And then at the bottom, you know, we have uh, Red Wings. Uh, uh, the Senators, which is a tire fire, and uh, Buffalo. So it's yeah, it's it's a, it's a toss up a little bit, you know. It's a I'd say it's a fifty fifty chance maybe, but yeah, it's it's. I want to go to the playoffs. I want to see where this team can go. I think Montreal needs to go to the playoffs. Uh, missing three year in a row is not something, you know, that fans take kindly to yeah we would know nothing about that i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> uh but yeah no it's it's uh, if the chips falls right yeah you know and and if the depth player steps up um, the third pairing uh, uh the right side the left side steps up uh a little bit we find some gem a little bit like a uh, domi last year uh, maybe do a trade maybe uh, maybe really pull off a hell of a trade but yeah you know you you there is there is a definite chance the thing is the good thing in a way is that metropolitan will probably keep taking points off each other like crazy right up the wild card spot 
But on the other hand, you know, 96 points is that, that Montreal had last year usually gets you into the playoffs. Yeah. And it didn't. And I think uh, Montreal ended up, was it 13 or 14th in the rankings, really? Um, uh, when you look at like teams points right. all across over the, the league, league, you're talking yeah, about. across the league, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, they, they are a top team or, or they are a playoff team, I think they are, sure. Uh, but you know, looking at the draft, if you top if you draft top five this year, you're fine, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, it's a, it's a crazy good draft, you know, it's it's yeah, it's insane. No, I, I agree. The, the one thing I think, you know, when you're looking at it in the Atlantic division, you, you kind of laid it out there. There's kind of this borderline, right? Where if you're looking, there's, there's five, three, like great teams, or I guess I would say one elite team, two great teams, and then two kind of fringe teams and then everybody else. Right. And there, there's pretty much a defined line between, I would say Florida. And then after them, I would put Buffalo ahead of Detroit and Ottawa, but, yeah, I, th- I think it bodes well for Montreal's chances. But, you know, I know you're, you're kind of 50-50, like you said. What do you think is going to be the thing that holds them back from taking that bigger step forward? Is there, is there something on the roster you feel is lacking? or wh- Where's their downfall, so to speak? I think a lot of players had career years last year. Uh, okay. One of my favorites didn't. You know, like uh, Arthur Lekonen that I've followed since his time in Frelanda. Uh Yeah, he didn't, obviously. Uh, he can't keep shooting at five percent, though. So hopefully right. he, he'll add somewhere where someone the one loses. But Kotkaniemi blossoming out is probably going to be, you know, is he going to take that step that I expect him to? Then then Montreal is a playoff team. I'll be honest to say that. Okay. If he doesn't, I don't think uh, they will make it. Uh, it also depends how the Metropolitan pans out. As you say. Right. Uh, the Blue Jackets has lost a bit, but you know, uh, New Jersey Devils is kind of yeah, kind of, yeah. You we know, you know they're pretty silly. <laughs> I didn't even bring them up, but they had the biggest off season probably in the league. Yeah, so so you know, like uh, because of the wild card spots being that shaped up uh, or, or um, split the way they are, and uh, it's not you know it's not a playoff for, for for it as in baseball where you get a wild card game or or in American football where you get a wild card game. Where you actually, this is actually, you just get a spot, and uh, I think, yeah. So it's down to Florida, and it's down to what happens in, in Metropolitan, and also I guess can Florida gel? Mm-hmm. They have an influx of players, but they have Barkov, you know, they have Bobrovsky, if you, and they've got a lot of more players that I have no idea who they are, like how to pronounce their names. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like it's it's yeah. Uh, they, if they get, if they get it to work, there is a good chance, and it also helps, I think, in some ways that you have these uh, layers in, in in the Atlantic, whereas in the in the Metropolitan is all a, a big mashup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and look at Rangers that you know they've had a great off season as well. Capo yeah. is going to play. Uh, Panarin, Lundqvist looks so sharp this summer, and he was, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was supposed to interview him, <laughs> but he was so pissed because they let in a, a couple of easy goals. So I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'll take another <laughs> take a rain check arena. Uh, we'll, we'll meet up another day, and and you know, like, but but yeah, he's so focused, he's so determined, and he knows, he knows this is his year. Yeah, he can't wait another year. Uh, he got like two Russian guys coming up behind him, and and uh, I, I I wouldn't be surprised with the additions that Rangers have had that they're gonna make a big jump in the standings as well. So yeah, you know it, it's all you cannot just look at the Atlantic; you have to look at the Metropolitan. Right. We we've talked a little bit, you know, we've touched on it a few times uh, about the draft, right? And, and Montreal this season had. One of the, the more – they had a great draft. Oh, my God. Fantastic, right? But, but they, they were that team, and everybody was waiting, who finally took Cole Caulfield at 15th overall. He was a player that a lot of Sabres fans wanted at the seventh spot, where I don't think anyone was really upset we took Dylan Cousins because I don't think anyone expected him to be there either. But 
for, for a lot of people, Caulfield's fall to the middle of that first round was a big surprise. So obviously the speed, the goal scoring ability, what else impresses you about him and how quickly do you think he can become a regular in the NHL? I'm just sitting here being in total bliss right now. <laughs> <laughs> like literally it's, it's like, you should have seen the chat channel. Like you should have seen it. And when Philadelphia, who was it they took? It was hilarious. Like we were, I mean, like I, I wish there were cameras all over it. We were just like, I think everyone was just up dancing. You know, it was it was yeah. total mayhem. Uh, but yeah, we all won in Carfield, and uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. And yeah, you say the goal scoring, the, the speed, and and I like his confidence. Uh, hmm. I, I think that's for me maybe what stands out. You can say, you know, the other guys got a lot of points because I hit the pucks in the net too. You know, it goes both ways. Yeah. And I think that, that is, that's the kind of confidence you want. Then, you know, he's also turned into a, to a great ambassador for the Habs directly. He, uh, he comes in with his smile. He, he was like, I, you know, when I, was, when I had to learn a second language in school, I choose French because I might get drafted by Montreal. That's you you see stuff like that, you go like, yeah, we love this kid. And then he has that smile. And, you know, like we have Romano smile. We have Cowfield smile. We have Kotkaniemi smile. So Gallagher smile. You know, like everyone is smiling suddenly. And, and that brings joy to the to the organization as well. And, yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and with Montreal having moved to that speed approach for, for real, I think it will just benefit Cowfield. And he will, if Wisconsin goes well this year, he's in NHL next year. Yeah, I have a I have a feeling there's going to be at least seven or eight general managers who are going to end up kicking themselves for skipping on that kid. No, I didn't see a single projection leading maybe leading up to the draft, but not right before it, right where that guy was outside of the top ten. So him going, I think to 50, it was top eight. Okay, sure, right, and you know, I, as a Sabers fan and and someone who who <laughs> has a stake in how well the Sabers do, so to speak. I was a little bit salty to see him go to Montreal, but yeah. credit where credit. Well, you want you want them go out west? It's fine, you know. Like we yeah, it's <laughs> bad TV time, so we won't see you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean Montreal got a fantastic pick. That he's going to be the seal of the draft. I I have no doubt about that. But yeah, yeah I mean yeah. their draft overall was was unbelievable. Yeah, and, and that, that shows what you can do with a lot of picks. And also, they were even stockpiling picks, training down a few places, getting a pick, getting the player they wanted, and, and stockpiling the picks for the draft that is in Montreal next year. You know, it's right. Because obviously, it's at home. They, you guys know about it. Uh, yeah. You want to go there and, and you want to be on the podium as often as possible. Uh, yeah, they, we, don't, we don't like to talk about our first round pick from the last time the draft was in Buffalo. He's, nah, that's fine. He's, he's off in Chicago now, and we got a really nice Finnish young right-handed defenseman who we think is going to hopefully break into the top six in Henry Yokiharu. But, you know, we, we, we've touched on the SHL, KHL, and, and you know, before this, uh, some of our listeners may not know that you cover a great deal of SHL hockey. Um, one, you know, we, we've got obviously a couple players growing in our system in the SHL, particularly for one of the teams you cover, you know, closely in, in Vaxio, in Marcus Davidson. Vecqua. Ve- oh, God, that was so American of me. Say it again. <laughs> Vecqua. Vecqua. By the way, that, 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 <laughs> yeah, that's... The J sound in Swedish is terrible for that, you guys. I'm just having a laugh now. <laughs> no, that's fine. And it, you're, you're, you're putting me to shame here because your English is immaculate, and I'm over here saying Vax Joe. But yeah. yeah, you can say the Lakers is fine. You get the, away La- with the Lakers. Yeah, we've got a couple of Lakers over there in Sweden in uh, Marcus Davidson and, and Philip Cedarquist. What can you tell us about those two guys and, and kind of how you feel they project as potential future NHLers? I've, I see them in bottom six players. I'd be honest with that. Sure. Uh, I think that's, that's what most Sabres fans feel as well. Yeah. Um, the good thing for, for Davidson is that, you know, uh, he's coming from one of the top coaches in Sweden to another of the top coaches in Sweden. That makes me maybe thinking middle six. Mm-hmm. He can move up a little bit. He got, a, he got a good shot. He's got good skating. He's got a work ethic that is enormous, you know, like, and I think that will benefit him. Uh, but the thing is, I'm, I'm uncertain of your uh, depth uh, sure. in, in the organization, to be honest. I'm, 
I love helping you guys out, but I'm very unsure of the depth. Uh, but uh, when you look at it, a, a player like Vedemo in Montreal that was projected to be a cent- fourth line center, maybe third line center with an upside, you know, um, and, and that has achieved a lot in SHL. And whenever he's been put in a position to succeed, he has. And Davidson has the same kind of thing. But Vedemo went from, in two drafts, he went to like number seven on depth charge in, 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 for Montreal in center position. Yeah, the, and, when it comes to Davidson. That makes it very hard to break into to the team. Sure. Yeah, when it comes and, to and, Davidson. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Go on. Uh, in in his case, there there seems to be a lot of fans feel a little bit of a redundancy organizationally with a fellow mm-hmm. Swede who who he may have a little bit of trouble breaking past in Rasmus Asplund. They have very similar games. You know, it, it's the, you know in some people's opinion, uh, I feel that way. Uh, I, I have a, I remember doing an interview with uh, Asplund for you guys as well, and and uh, and thinking back to Davidson last year when I when I met him. Um, Davidson is more of a tank, I'd say. Okay. Like he, he's a bit broad-shouldered. He he pushes more, you know. But you, either of those two could make it into, you know, like you can move them to to the wing, um, and they would do, still do very well. Uh, well, so that you know, like I'd say, Swede European players usually start the first senior year on the wing, and and then move right. in. And it helps them develop as players because you get physicality and, and then you can focus on your game as a center. Mm-hmm. And I think that that benefits, you know, uh, the, the uh, uh, chances of succeeding in, in the long run. And so, so they have that experience. And I think that might be very uh, useful. But yeah, no, it's, um, I like Davidson and he's a, really, he's a really nice guy. I haven't spoken much to Siderquist. But he was an overager when he was drafted, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, and but I know Sam Hallam, and and he's coaching Vancouver Lakers, and uh, he is he he likes Sedekus, he does, and uh, they're on the ice right now, and they, the game just started. Um, I should have been there and doing some work, but uh, unfortunately, the in-laws are showing up and uh, unannounced uh, <laughs> <until> last night, <laughs> and. Uh, the Montreal prospect that I was going to do an interview with, he has a concussion, so he's, he's not there either. So right. Uh, well, so selfishly, you know, given yeah. that this is kind of your your area of expertise, I'm going to go ahead and, and butcher a couple more names and ask yeah, you of a couple <laughs> a couple of defensemen in the organization. Uh, William Warshakrew, he's playing for. I'm going to say it terribly. To me, it says Linkoping. Uh, Shepping, yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Linus Kornholm, rather, who plays for Malmo. I don't think there's a way I can mispronounce that one. Uh, what Mom, are you... Mom, it was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to stick to the ones that are spelled exactly as they sound. Yeah. Um, what, what's your take on those two guys? I know Chad, our, our managing editor at Die by the Blade, is a big fan of both of them. Uh, how do you see them projecting, and how? Uh, I haven't actually watched them enough to to to, oh, to give you an uh, idea. I'd rather be honest and say that than than say sure. something I regret later. But obviously they suck. So so if if, <laughs> if they pan out, uh, Shad is right. So so that's that's the best way of putting it, right? There you go. No, fa- that's fantastic. Uh, any other? Th- you know, I know you you cover uh, you know some some Canadians prospects who are in Sweden as well. Anyone in the organization? currently in the SHL, who particularly excites you, who Sabres fans may not know about? I think we took an overager this year in, in, in the draft for the ages, as it probably will be known sooner or later. Uh, Matthias Norlinder, uh, he was a late, late riser in the draft. Mm-hmm. And uh, he looks very smooth. He's a he's an Eric Carlson player, but uh, kind of a player. No one matches up to Eric Carlson. But to give you an idea, he's a puck-moving defenseman. Uh, Good shot. He needs a bit more confidence with his shot. But I think I spoke with his uh, coach, Blomqvist, uh, just before the season started, uh, or just actually after the draft, I should be honest and say. I spoke with him after, uh, just before the season started too. But it's it's this was from just after the draft. And I asked about like Nor- Norlander and he had a, a skiffoid burn injury. Uh, it was cracked uh, or fractured. So so it's he's been in, in uh, plaster the whole summer, but anyway he he, he said um, I played 
Norlinder with uh, Tob Tobias Enstrom, who played in Winnipeg, a former NHLer, and he made Enstrom better. And I think that's, you know, that speak volumes. When an 18-year-old kid starts playing with the senior team and makes a former NHL player with that distinguished career better. That is very interesting to me. And that, that makes me keep a, an eye extra on him. Uh, he only played three and a half minutes in his first game back. But, you know, it's his first game back from, from injury. And uh, uh, he looked a little bit rusty, I'll be honest with that. But, but it would be interesting to follow. He's on the bubble to make the, the World Junior Championship team for Sweden. Um, which, you know, it always depends on who, who do you get away from uh, uh, from the AHL and, or even NHL and injuries and stuff. But, and I'll be honest, like, Sweden spits out defenders <laughs> like sure. crazy right now. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's all coming down to that. We need to start putting out some wingers and, and centers, but we got two wingers in this year's draft and it's absolutely incredible. So at least there are some, some guys coming up. Yeah, I'm very happy to see how much of an investment the Sabres have made on the blue line in Swedish defenders. Obviously, Dahlin was the no-brainer, but you know, you've got Lawrence Pilot, uh, you yeah. know, the, the the couple guys we just mentioned, uh Samuelson, who I know he plays in North America, but you know, he's from North America, but he's you know, his father was obviously a prolific Swedish defender defender. Uh, um but yeah, I, I I don't disagree. I think uh Sweden is, is definitely how, how we'd say in American football, defenseman university right now. Yeah. Um, Finland will pass us in a few years, I think. Heiskanen think is so? just the beginning. Yeah. Okay. And, and also Heiskanen is blowing the doors. So people will go to Finland and actually start looking for the defenseman. Okay. And um, the, the setup they have with the development system in Finland is, is second to none. Uh, it's, it's brilliant. And uh, you you want that kind of a system where you get uh, so, so they invested a lot of money from uh, the world championships uh, in Helsinki and put it towards youth development. Uh, so there are technical couch uh, coaches, not couches, but coaches <laughs> <laughs> uh, in every team, uh, in every professional team that is paid by the uh, Finnish Ice Hockey Association. But uh, there is a caveat to that, and it's it's the fact that they have to go out to the regional teams in the area and help them develop new players. So you get like a goalie coach or a defensive coach or a skating coach or, or, or a technical coach on the ice with the young kids that's 10, 11, 12. You know, that's, that's going to make an impact. And it's just started for Finland. Uh, yeah, it's... I'm surprised they haven't had a number one in the draft already, but mm -hmm. in a few years' time, there will be a couple of them coming together, I think, like year after year. Yeah. It's, it's, and I love the fact that when, when they needed to develop something, they looked outside hockey and, and trying to figure out where can we learn on, what can we use from, from other sports. And, and they obviously looked to the best team in, in, in not best national team in sports ever. And it's, uh, the All Blacks in, in rugby from New Zealand. Uh, and, and they took what they thought were best and would, would work in Finland and, and used it for hockey instead. And I think it's brilliant. That's if interesting. Canada did, if Canada did this, if US did this, if Russia did this, we wouldn't have, had, have to have a Canada Cup or, or World Championships or, mm -hmm. or, uh, uh, or World Cup or anything because... The, the big country that does this, they, they will succeed. But on the other hand, the big countries are, you know, a little bit more relaxed. And that's why probably New Zealand can do this because they got a 4 million people and 5, minute sheep, five million sheep and they, they're still the best, <laughs> and still, uh, the, the best rugby team in the world. Even if, you know, South Africa or, or, or England is trying and, and has much higher population, they're not having much success. Sure. Well, I think, Pat, that wraps us up for this week. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, you know, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk about the Habs and kind of where they land here in the Atlantic Division for next season. And a couple of you know, It would be a wild card. They'll, they'll get a wild card. I love it. I'm putting that in quotes. Pat says definitely a wild card. 
but you know, we, we, we touched on the SHL KHL. I mean, this was a fantastic episode. We really appreciate it. You can find Patrick on Twitter at Zeb Habs. That's capital Z E B underscore capital H A B S. You can follow his work at SB nations Canadian page eyes on the prize. Make sure to tune in for our next episode, which will be episode five of the Beyond the Blade Atlantic Division miniseries. Little hint about our next guest. I had to trade an unprotected first round pick in order to get her on the show. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see ya.